All right, welcome guys. Uh, today is October 10th of 2018 and we are doing number three on the MedSpa Accelerator podcast brought to you by Everable and Cast Clinical Consulting. So um, this week, uh, Luis has got some, some top points that he wants to go over. Um, so throw them at me. Yeah, so uh, Cassie and I, you know, it's just Cassie and I today and really we have been kind of in this journey, right? For those of you who know, Cassie and I work together um, and, you know, we do all her marketing and advertising. Um, and a lot of the times we're spearheading a lot of new things, right? I think, you know, for us, we're kind of like at the forefront of, you know, doing implementing new marketing tactics and strategies and then really seeing what is working in today's market and taking that and then relaying it back to you, all right, back to our audience to see, hey, what's working, what's not working, what can we do better? And uh, today, that's what we're going to be talking about. You know, we're going to talk about the, the recent insights and findings that we found in, in doing our, you know, our late, the last, I guess I want to say, like three months of, of us, work, well, I mean, we've been working together longer, but I want to say like these insights are, are a little recent. Well, since you got married and I got your time back since you got married. <laughs> True. Uh, and, uh, and then from there, you know, just kind of talking about those points. But stay tuned, guys. Listen in because these are some really, like, valuable stuff that Cassie and I have been uh, finding out that is going to really help you guys uh, improve on what you're currently doing in your uh, practice right now. Um, so the first thing that Cassie and I were talking about is just kind of um, some of the more recent insights and like how marketing and business work. And you had like a really interesting point before we started. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just have, I, I pride myself in, um, I am, I am very much a risk taker and I really look at my market. I think I, I try to look at my market every day with a fresh perspective, like wake up and don't just do that, um, that same routine. Like I'm always looking for the way that I can grow. So it's funny, I have these aha moments and I had one yesterday and it's like, um, like Louise is saying, like I use my, my spa as a testing pad really because I work with so many other people that I have these ideas and I test them in my spa, make sure that they're going to work and then I can share them with others. And so as I'm testing new things, Sometimes I run into walls and sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, how, you know, I'm always just looking for the next thing to make this work. And so yesterday um, I was saying we were having a lot of, of no shows and cancellations, not only in my own market, but I'm hearing this among, you know, clients like, like 50%. And so that's, that's troubling. And so I'm looking at the inside and I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's, it's the talk track. Maybe we need to say this. And, and at this point we need to do this. And maybe it's the amount of times that we're calling, like maybe we should call two times on day four instead of one. And so I'm doing all of these different, you know, like tests, um, just, just really trying to figure it out. And I call Luis and he says, well, why don't we change the, the radius? So right now we're marketing to 50 miles outside the spa. Let's pull that in back tighter. And I was like, huh, you know, like I just ran into 10 walls and it really is that simple. I know that that's going to work. That's exactly it is we have, um, you know, a value proposition. We are telling people why they would drive so far, but honestly, cool sculpting showing up in every neighborhood. So you're also fighting against others' value propositions and other, and people are marketing more aggressively because cool sculpting is allotting more marketing dollars to everybody. You know, I really think, and I'm going to get off on a tangent here, 
But when Allergan uh, created the Cool Partners, I really think that that was kind of a, a snuffing out of um, success. And so what Allergan wants is everybody to be mediocre so everybody can pay for their machines, but they, you know, nobody's doing better than and putting anybody else out of business. They want to keep everybody kind of at the same place. Yeah. So it's, it's become more difficult to rise above with the cool partners, I think. Um, especially for clients who started out right there at like premier and preferred levels, it kind of just pulls it weights you down. So anyway, I, um, I think that that's exactly it. And it's like, you know, I need people to bounce things off of if I hadn't said these things out loud. And, and as a side note, um, I think people spend time afraid to say things out loud. Like if I hadn't said that to you yesterday, then I would continue to change the follow-up protocol, you know, like, and, and I test things for 30 days before I change them. So it's like, okay, I'm going to twist this little knob and then go for 30 days. So I'm, you know, I'm glad I have people to collaborate with too, because you can't just call your, your neighbor with tool sculpting and be like, Hey, (laughs) you know, and and that's the thing I think we pride ourselves in because we definitely want to be a partner and and we want to be there listening to all the feedback and make adjustments. And, and so, so two points to what you were saying, right? Number one is one of the things when Cassie and I were talking, one of the things that, that I said was, you know what, sometimes we want to overthink and overanalyze like every single thing that is happening. And more often than not, not always, but more often than not, the simplest solution is the right answer, right? And it goes back to everything you just said, you know, there's just a lot more competition. Um, if we're asking people to drive 50 miles to come and see us, yes, we have a strong value proposition. A lot of, and, and by the way, a lot of people don't have a strong value proposition, but, but Cassie does, right? Uh, and, or even if you do have a strong value proposition, people struggle to communicate it over the phone, right? Which right, and to train staff to, yes, because because the bigger I grow, the more I'm having to recreate what I do in others. And quite honestly, you know, as a business owner, you can't build a business model based on your personality because there's a reason that you take on the amount of stress that you do. There's a reason that I'm at the position that I am and expecting that out of others will be a fail. So it's like, you know, that value proposition can be communicated really, really well by the business owner, but you have to, you have to really build a business model around 80% of what you will do and make that work. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And then, uh, so value proposition is huge for those of you who, who really don't have like a strong grasp of what value proposition is. And, and, and this is something we help all our clients kind of uh, define in the onboarding stages of us working together. But the biggest thing, the, the easiest way to answer what is a value proposition, I always tell people is, is answer this question. If I'm your ideal prospect, why should I choose you versus your competitor? Right. So try to sell me on that. Like why? Right. And, you know, <laughs> and I find it can't be scripted. So my value proposition when I talk to people is different than my staff's, but I work with them on defining why are you the best at what, and, and not being afraid to say it. And that's what I find with a lot of my staff too, is, is they kind of shy away from, from, you know, putting an exclamation point behind their value. Um, and that's a, you know, that's why we work so much on self, um, in my practice and with my clients is because that's a, a self-limiting kind of behavior and thinking and, um, and it, it kind of spreads through the office. So really working on, you know, like that, like, you know, knowing that you're a badass, um, 
but the value proposition is huge at my spa. Like we have a lot of, um, and I tell people there's a fine line here. Like you don't want to go into braggings. People don't care. They don't, they don't care about all of your accolades, but they do care if you believe in you. And that's really what you have to communicate. So the words don't matter as much as the knowing that you're the best. And, um, and anyway, pulling that, that radius is going to be great because it also with my staff will kind of drop because, because they, you know, they hear the question, well, why would I drive that far? Uh, I know somebody's doing, I saw it at my dermatology office. Why would I like, there's no way I'm driving that far. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, it's like they, they lose that argument really fast in their own minds. They, they believe, you know, that like, I wouldn't drive that far either. So anyway, I, it sometimes is so much more simple. Um, and it does take collaboration. It really does take having people in your position to talk to. For sure. And that's the thing, guys. Like, I mean, if you have a problem right now that you're kind of struggling with, well, one, talk to someone about it. Uh, but two, like, really take a step back, you know, take a step back and um, like get out of the weeds, kind of like what, what Cassie was saying and think about, okay, well, what is the simplest answer? Like if I put myself in my client's shoes and I think like them, what, what is like the easiest thing? And you know what, in today's age, like with Amazon and everything and like, and like apps that deliver whatever you want to your front door, like convenience is number one. <laughs> yes. You know, like you want to be convenient to your clients. And a lot of the times that just means pulling the radius. So now we're just going to target, we're going to experiment with a 25 mile radius. And then Cassie, I mean, you mentioned that you had done a, a report last year to see where yeah. your clients were coming from. Yeah. And you had confirmed that, what was it like seven sixty or 70? It was 65. So 65% of my clients came from within a 25 mile radius, but the other 35% were definitely direct like they came in for marketing but you have to think about the lifetime value of the client as well so if somebody drives 50 miles to get cool sculpting with you you might spend a thousand dollars in marketing to get them on the table treating but are they going to come back even are they going to come back for their follow-up appointments so are they going to be as satisfied as they could possibly be if they're not coming in and taking pictures so you know really thinking about what's best for the clients there are plenty of people within 25 miles for us to treat so yes, I found that 35% of mine came from outside that six, uh, that 25 mile radius. Um, but I think that very easily I could have gotten that 35% from inside. And what it told me was if more than half of my business is coming, if I'm marketing as strong as I am, and more than half is coming from inside that 25 mile radius, then I really should put about 85% of my budget inside there really, really, because it'll cost less in, in acquisition in the end too. Yeah. And I mean, like, we're not saying that you shouldn't maybe like, you know, do some brand awareness campaigns like outside of that radius, but you definitely want to take like an 80, 20 approach to it where like, you, you know, where your money's coming from, get that low hanging fruit. Yeah. And, and like, even if you feel you've saturated that, like, honestly, it's probably not that that's probably not the case. Like, you know, even if you have a small demographic, there's just so much of an audience there that honestly, um, and I, I tell this to people all the time, like the number one thing that practices are missing out on right now is educating the market. And mm -hmm. that is how you position yourself as an expert celebrity, because there are so many, like, even though people see cool scoping ads, they see the billboards, they see the banners, whatever, there's still so many misconceptions about cool scoping right. um, that there is just right now such a huge opportunity to educate the market and in doing so position yourself as, the, as an expert and then getting their business. Right. 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 That's another thing. Uh, and 
Well, real quick, like, I think one of the biggest points here that we were talking about is like, you know, this is how business works, guys. Like, like, you know, something that you were doing a year ago might not be as effective, you know, today, right? And part of like doing marketing and business is that you can't just uh, like look at the last 30 days or, and then just make rash decisions, right? Or not, not, not even 30 days. I want to say maybe like, cause I know some people like will look at the last like seven days and they'll make some like crazy decisions, right? Or like the last day. Right. And make some crazy decisions. Right. No, I have some of those. They, like the last phone call, like they hear, they hear somebody say, oh, well, I'm irritated with your ads. And so they're like, ah, oh, turn the ads on. Or you called me too much. One person says that. And it's like, like we get stuck in, and I was saying earlier, we can't see the forest for the trees kind of mode. Um, we also jump into assumptions. So I find myself, even yesterday, okay, I sold, I, I went into practice with somebody call in. And so I was, do, I did consultations yesterday. Well, I closed a $16,000 consultation. Yeah. Before I went in there, I was talking, I was having my staff shadow me. And I was talking to my staff member and I was like, and this woman was interested in her face and her body. And so I was like, okay, so which one do you think, you know, which angle should I come? And we both talked and talked about, you know, thank goodness I presented her a whole price because I was assuming she was going to do either or. And I was, I was doing that thing that I, that I counsel people not to do. Don't assume that you know how valuable this, this, procedure is how long they've been waiting to be able to do something like this and furthermore like you're saying the market is becoming more educated so we assume that our client our, our target avatar is a 50 year old you know working female who's had med spa somebody you've seen in your office before we're assuming that that person's the best and what I find is it's not it's the people who are just learning about our industry because our industry is growing such that household like like normal moms are able to come and get services with us and we just kind of exclude them we just it's such an easy thing to do um building awareness around that that assumption thing is so huge like next time you hear yourself say um well you know that client can't afford it we make the judges judgments when we see people with our ads we see you know the way that they fill out a, a lead form and make a, a rash judgment of, you know, like, like as if we know where it's going to go. And it's so important to remain curious as a business owner, as a treatment provider, as a human being, like what's life if you already know what's coming, like being open to something new, something, something amazing. So anyway, this, this client yesterday that I had really taught me a lot um, that the, the lessons never all the way learned too. like as much as I can understand it when I talk about it, I still find myself right back there. Um, and those things that, that I teach people all day long not to do. Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. And, and I think that kind of brings us into the conversation of, of, well, like you said, you know, really defining and taking a closer look into who our ideal customer or ideal avatar is right. Where like as maybe a year ago, or, you know, or, or maybe recently, right, we had an idea like, okay, well, or, or cool scoping tries to tell us, or, you know, either, you know, whatever, like who the ideal customer is, right? Okay. Um, but a lot of the times, and we come in with this mentality, and, and anybody who doesn't look like that, who doesn't fall into that, we kind of exclude. But 
here's the thing, like every market's different. Every, you know, suburb is different, right? So it's like, you can't make these rash judgments and you- Your value proposition makes you different. You, like you can't, like, like you can't take data out of anybody else's business and let it define your business if you're relying on that. Um, I found myself, you know, like reading, um, reading sales follow-up, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Experiments and, and studies. Yeah. And I can't map that onto my business because the people who are coming in are coming in for me or are coming in for you. And your value is different than your neighbor. So your demographic immediately changes. Who you connect with is yeah. unique to you. And so people, I, I hear my clients all the time say, well, we need to target, you know, the upper middle class to, to high class. We need to target people who are attorneys and, um, you know, movie stars and radio personalities, TV personalities. When in fact, our clients, like ask your next five clients what they do. They're school administrators, they're nurses, they're, you know, they, I had a lady who worked at Burger King do a full facelift. She was a manager at Burger King and she saved up her money, you know, so yeah. assumptions are deadly. Yeah. And so I think, um, I mean, um, I think based off what we have been talking about, I think we've kind of summed it down to talk about or to define who our three best customers are right now, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's what you guys need to do. You need to define, like, and, and a lot of people always say that there's one avatar. Honestly, there's more than that, right? I always say that you want to look at, like, the top three. And I think that's something that Cassie and I have done. And we're going to start shifting our advertising to target those people. But then again, that doesn't mean that three months from now, it's going to stay those three people. Like, and that's my point is, like, you always want to keep making iterations. And, and that's what I was talking about, where, like, that's how business and marketing works. Like, you have to keep making changes as the market develops because every like variables are changing every single day every every single well, day. think about the way your 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 practice changes like a staff member leaves and a new staff member comes in that just yeah. changed your avatar yeah. that just changed who's going to connect um if you guys are not doing um or not having um audits or observations done to your consultations and your phone calls then you're missing out on what's changing in your market. You're missing out on what's changing in your practice because the feedback that I get from my staff versus what I see when I look are two totally different things. Um, they're not able to communicate to you uh, just the, the subtle nuances that really change things, that really when, you know, when you're aware, uh, like, you know, like we found, you know, with this, with this radius thing, um, you have to dig in, you have to listen, or you have to have somebody do it. 100%, 100%. Uh, so just to kind of uh, give you guys a little, uh, not we're not done yet, but to give you a quick summary, uh, you know, we, we talked about that we had a few points. So point number one is like, understand how marketing and business works, that you have to keep making iterations upon iterations. What worked, you know, in the last three months, last six or last 12 might not be different what made today. So you have to keep, uh, you know, analyzing the data, keep making changes as your business and the market develops. Uh, the other thing is, uh, what we've done and to kind of looking at testing to decrease the amount of no-shows that come into the practice. So we're going to be testing out, uh, you know, obviously a smaller radius and think about convenience. Like how can you make it more convenient for your clients to come in? And then a uh, part of that is building your value proposition. Like what is your value proposition? Make sure that you talk about your value proposition every time you communicate to your clients. 
And then the other point, number three, is defining who your clients are and continue to iterate and just, if, first of all, if you're not making, if, if you're not like analyzing that, you need to start doing that. But two, make, be aware that it's going to constantly change. So keep doing it. And then uh, a point number four that we're, I guess we should talk about is like, well, I guess everything kind of sums it up where it's like, what gets measured gets managed. Um, so you want to make sure, again, going back to all these things, like if we, if we weren't measuring these things, then we wouldn't be like at, see, learning about these insights and then managing those, you know, those, those, uh, what's right. that data, right? Right. So I was really important. We were talking about this yesterday. It's like, um, um, my, the next thing that I'm doing is I am going to put a form in front of all of my phone call people where when we hear information like uh, recent death in the family, or I'm a teacher, like really starting to segment out the different avatars because there's so many, honestly, like there's a top three, but they're kind of generalized. And within those three, they get more and more specific. And so anyway, data, if you have a question or if you have a struggle or a worry, think about what numbers could I grab? to give me the truth about this rather than going day to day on emotion and feelings. I feel, for example, what I said earlier, like I feel like people are irritated because we're calling too much. Yeah. Well, how many times have you actually heard that versus how many times have you actually called people? Get the number. Is it less than 1%? It just bothers you because it bothers you, not because it's really a, an issue. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta find out what the issues actually are and gauge the measurement and have the measuring stick so that then you can gauge progress. And, and can you talk a little bit, and this was going to be our next point, like about uh, like kind of follow up with people, like some of the research that you've been uh, doing and looking into as far as like how many times you do follow up and kind of like what you mm -hmm. found out recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I, I found that, okay, so, so, so here's a great example. Personally, if I put in, if I submitted a lead form, and somebody called me 10 times in the next seven days, I would go to their competitor just to not give them the business because <laughs> it would irritate me that much. Um, but I'm not really my avatar. I'm, I'm, you know, like kind of sort of, but I don't see me in my, in my business. My avatar is different. So I can't go off of what I feel and map that onto my decisions business-wise. I have to get data. So my data shows that within the first 24 hours, calling up to four times even, like up to four times, has only helped the numbers, not made them worse. I'm testing longer term, like what happens on day two through day seven if we call every day versus if we text every day. And so I'm gathering that data too, because honestly, I really just don't know right now if it hurts or helps. My research indicates that with high value tickets, anything after 24 hours hurts. But even assuming that that's true because that research was not done on this market. It was not done on aesthetic services. So if a research, if a study was done and it was, you know, 50% men, 50% women, well, that doesn't match where I'm at because my, my calls are not 50% men and women. So honestly, I was actually telling Jeff yesterday, um, we've got a new data gathering tool that's really going to get into the specifics like really, really segment out every single number that I can think of that I will know. And in 90 days, we'll have a lot of information. And in nine years, we'll have a whole lot of information. And so we can continue to iterate and really um, hone in on what the, the perfect schema is. 
Yeah, no, that's really good. And and so for for everybody listening, like the the study, what it talked about was that after I think it was twenty or twenty four hours, like twenty hours, um, heard it, like it's 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 good to call like three to four times, but be after those twenty hours, it actually if you keep calling, it's gonna hurt your chances of ever getting in touch with that person. Um, so they, I feel like that's probably true. Yeah. But then when people don't answer that first day, I hate. For my client, for my staff, never to call them again. So it's really hard for me to to let this go this way. But again, um, and it, and and the study, um, it was done. Uh, this study particularly was done about five years ago. So I really think that the data that they gathered then, like people, I think will be more receptive to links and texts, to more web based behaviors, um, because that's how we interact with people. And if my phone rings constantly. Um, and I'm, you know, on the computer, then it's just like, it's an irritation. Um, so much communication is done, not through actual phone calls. Now it's best because you can feel people and you can hear people. So I do believe uh, personal conversation is the goal, but we have sold cool sculpting and had people come in with no more than text back and forth, appointment confirmation, appointment setting, everything through, um, text message and email. So yeah, and, and, and that's what the study suggested, that after the 20 hours, like, you want to try other follow-up methods besides phone calls. So you want to implement text messages and you want to implement email. And uh, and I have a big, like, like, I'm really, I don't know, I'm very passionate because I know it works, guys. Like, if you're not using text messages right now to communicate, and I'm not talking, and I'm not talking about one-way text messages that just get sent out that are automated. Right. I'm talking about, like, two-way text messages, like, implementing that medium to communicate with your patients or, or you know future clients like today you're missing out on a lot of business because again going back to convenience you want to make it convenient for your client to communicate with you here's the other thing a lot of people use email email has like i think one of the lowest open rates right now i think if, if it's if it's not 15 right. less than that guess what text messages has it has a 98 percent open rate so you're going to get a lot more eyeballs on that text message and then people just want to communicate. People don't, uh, I mean, you know, like at least now, like millennials, right? <laughs> and we're talking about millennials, so, you know, uh, I mean, at least for me. Uh, but I mean, you know, obviously other markets might be a little bit different, but like people don't want to talk to people. <laughs> at least like, you know, like, you know, people like. Well, it's surprising because again, I don't want to build my, my systems on millennials. I'm, I'm technically a millennial. I actually hate that because I found that out and I was like, no, I'm not because I don't like millennials. So what's that? But, um, but anyway, I'm technically a millennial, so I'm not really my target right now. Now that doesn't mean that I might not target millennials because who's a better client than somebody, you know, that does everything online. That's not afraid to purchase and make big purchases online. So I'm not, I'm not nixing that at all, but I, that $16,000 package that I sold yesterday was a 75 year old woman and her appointment and everything. Like, first off, she responded and filled out a lead form on Facebook. Then she went through text message. She actually looked back. She had text, she had texted back and forth with my staff about six times and asked for the appointment through text message. They did make a contact phone call. But it, I listened to the phone call and it was almost like she was less, less capable to put this whole thing together over the phone. There was more confusion on her end. And so even the 75-year-old woman, she was more comfortable and confident in moving forward with this purchase through, uh, through electronics.
through technology. Yeah. And then uh, one of the other things that we're going to start experimenting with is just implementing like an online booking calendar. So after somebody kind of fills out the application, give them an option to just schedule online right now. You know, mm -hmm. um, we still recommend that you all call and obviously build some rapport with that person. But that way you also apply the convenience or give them the convenience of, uh, of scheduling online and, and never even have to having to like text or, or phone, you know, phone call with someone. Um, and I think statistically, I think like, I think there was like a night, uh, I can't remember it was a 58 or like already in the sixties of people that actually prefer to just schedule online if they, if they can. Right. Um, and so now, we're going to be experimenting, experimenting with that. We'll let you know what the numbers look like once we have the data, but, um, but it should be. It should now, be. I, I've done this before, and so there's an art to this for sure because people do know that cool sculpting is expensive, and so it's easy to talk themselves out of an appointment if there's not a, a connection made. So I've experimented with this before, and this time we're going to give it a little bit more TLC. Um, after, but allowing them to look at their schedule and tell us when's a good time and then us making that fit again, making it convenient for the client. I, and I'm going to go off on a whole nother subject. We can co cover this another time, but I noticed my front desk yesterday, somebody called and wanted a consultation and there wasn't really, there was like a 15 minute. So he was like, Oh, well, we can't see you until next Thursday. And that, that has, there has to be a system to change that because we have got to to meet these people where they are. We've got to let them come in, even if we end up in the weeds, even if we end up stressed out, um, with, with a high no-show rate anyway, like, uh, and we're, we're testing this too with double bookings um, with our cold audience uh, generated leads. But anyway. like, even when you say that to someone, it's like, well, okay. Like it's kind of offensive to like a certain, a certain point. You know what I mean? Like, and here's the thing, like I tell people all the time, it's like competition is so fierce that yeah. you can't like providing a A plus service is key because you right. know, like people at the end of the day, they go to a medical spa because they want to feel pampered, right? They want to feel better than, you know, than, you know, leaving than when they came in. So if they're not going to get that class A treatment from the staff, from like just going in there and feeling awesome, they're going to find somebody else. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And fast. Yeah. You know, and they judge you over the phone uh, so fast. So it's, it's great though, because we're in an industry that people don't pay attention to. And, and we talked about doing this on a future show. Um, people don't pay attention to that first touch point enough and it can be made like it can be so easy for you if you can master that front desk phone stuff then people because people do call 10 people if they're thinking about making a five thousand ten thousand dollar purchase decision they're going to call 10 people and what they feel over the phone makes it or breaks it with whether or not they show up they probably i would say and i'd love to see numbers on this on a purchase like cool sculpting or like a you know full facial rejuvenation procedure um, they probably call at least three people, but they probably only go to two con. So they're, they're, they're ruling people out just by the first, you know, just what they feel when you say hello. Um, so no, definitely. And that's the thing, like, like I tell you all the time, like, you know, a lot of people don't pay enough attention to their front desk. Like, and guys, like it's, it's the first impression that somebody has of your business. And if it's not a good one, they're just going to go somewhere else. You know, right. if, it's, if it's not a good experience, they're going to find somebody else again, for the reasons that we just mentioned before. 
And, uh, and it's so huge, like making sure that your staff is trained and they sound pleasant on the phone, they're kind and caring, but not just that, that they know how to convert the call to a console, you know, that they have that training and that experience. Right. So that's- And no hold, you know, like putting people on hold to find the right person, that's a bad idea. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't hold well. There's horror stories. I, I yeah. think the horror stories when it comes to people handling the phones, it's so yeah. bad. But, but, yeah, yeah, we'll have to share some of that. Um, yeah, yeah, we're we're planning on doing an episode where we share some uh, bad phone calls. You know this this training that I have coming up um, for my clients. It's funny because when I they did testimonials afterwards, and I was listening to their feedback on the course, and we we took in um, you know little feedback surveys. And I don't intend to spend the whole time on phones, but apparently that was what everybody felt most confident with when they left was phones because it's the most important thing. You can have the best treatment. You can have the best service, you can have the best lobby, you can have the best everything. And if your phones aren't on point, then nobody's going to know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what, you're going to, you're losing out on money. Like, that's like yeah. the most important thing. And, and, and I see this a lot with like doctors where it's like, they don't pay attention to their front desk, where it's like, guys, like, if you, if your front desk, it's, 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 they're the gate. You know what I mean? Like, right, uh, right. Like, they're, they pay for trainings for all of like it's it's funny because in every clinic I see this everybody um, who pays attention to training like understands I have to keep my trap my staff trained and excited. They're spending that money and investing in the providers, and there's never, rarely, ever, ever any training for the front desk other than the the rep coming in and sitting down with them for a couple hours. Front desk training is extensive. Like the phone training needs to be really, really, really in depth. And, um, and if it's not, then nobody knows about these awesome providers that you have that are doing cutting edge things. I, um, I, I also wanted to point out that yes, we can make more money if our front desk is efficient and effective, but think about that client. And this is where I take people when I'm training them. Think about your favorite client. Think about the client who, you know, you ran into the grocery store and ran into you at the grocery store and they ran up to you hugging you because their life was changed because of what you provided them in your clinic. That person is honestly typically scared to come into the med spa in the first place. That person who wants a transformation, who, who's looking for that, they're, they're scared. They need somebody to understand them and hear them. And so if front desk is busy and trying to get off the phone really fast and just set an appointment, this person talks themselves out of coming. Because, oh, I, I heard it just recently. I walked into a consultation and a woman was so happy with her cool scoping results. And the first thing that she said to me after we introduced ourselves was, well, I know I'm not, uh, I'm not the ideal candidate for this procedure, but it worked really well for me. And I said, well, why, why do you say you're not the ideal candidate? And she said, well, everybody that I see doing this online is you know, practically perfect. They start out that way. And I pointed out to her that the only reason you see these people is because they're the ones that are okay being filmed when in fact our, our clients are just like you. They want to look better in their clothes. They feel insecure, you know, romantically with their, with their spouse. So that person is thinking, like, think about all the ads that go out there. It's pretty women in bathing suits. The person who we have the opportunity to really help they won't come in if they don't feel very comfortable over the phone. They need more attention. And so, yes, it equates to more money, but it also equates to more um, satisfaction, to more, like, professionally, under, like, feeling worth. And um, I mean, really, at the end of the day, making a bigger impact. I mean, 
And mm. that's what business is. You know, you want to make an impact. You want to provide value. And mm. that's how you can Then you make money. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, that, yeah, I think that was a really, really, really good point. We, we didn't plan that one, but that came out. That was good. Yeah. Then, um, okay, so the last insight that we have for today is, um, well, actually, another, one last point before we move on to that one in regards to the, the, the research we were doing in regards to follow-up. And I, I have an interesting insight where, you know, as I mentioned before, right now, when we generate a lead for one of, for our clients, we send them a series of text messages. And they're all automated. Um, they stop if the person replies, um, but the way that we do them is that uh, they are two-way at the same time. So they're automated, the person replies, then you can reply back to them through that same interface, which is really, really neat. Now, uh, something that we did that was actually a mistake <laughs> actually turned into a really interesting insight that I wanted to share with you all. Because normally the way we had it before was that uh, we would send out a text message and then we would wait 24 hours and we would send out another one, wait 42 hours, send another one and so on and so forth, right? And um, uh, there was like a bug with the system we ended up using and it would send out like a text message five minutes after the lead was generated. And then what ended up happening is that about like five or six hours later, it sent out the message that was supposed to be sent out the second day. And what we noticed was that there was a lot more, like there was a, a higher response when people got that second text message. And so again, going back to the whole point of like taking a more aggressive approach within the first 20 hours of a lead being generated, um, how that can actually improve your response rate, which in, as a result will increase your consult, you know, your, the, your consultation rate or your appointment rate. Um, so another key finding there that I think, you know, really fortifies what we were talking about before, where you want to, you want to build some urgency up front. You know, if they said right. they're interested, then, you know, build some urgency, right? You know, you know, really reply back to them. And cause I mean, obviously if they're interested, really hit them up, you know, after, after the 20 hour, 24 hours in a response, okay, take a more laid back approach. I always say deliver strong call to actions in the first two days. And then if they don't respond to that, then make it more conversational. Because here's the thing, and, and I was talking to, uh, this is funny, I was talking to my mother-in-law about this because she works with us now. And, uh, and she's had a tummy tuck before. And she, you know, obviously we talk about cool scoping and like, she's like, she loves it, right? Uh, but the, you know, one of the things she's like, you know what, sometimes I just feel really insecure because, you know, you, you opt into these things and you opt in because you want to learn more, you're interested. But then you have some, you know, like, but then like there's people you're trying to reach out to you and trying to, and trying to like, you know, sell you and all that stuff. Whereas right. like at the end of the day, and I tell, and I say this to people, it's like advertising, all it is, is a series of, of mini conversations, right? You want to mm -hmm. have conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the, our whole philosophy of like, you know, we do business with people, not with other businesses. And we do business with people we know, we like, and we trust. And, and then you want to educate people at the same time, right? So going to back to that, it's like the way that we do our text messages right now is that they're called to action. If, but if they're not ready, it doesn't mean they're not interested. They're just not ready. So, or right. they're scared, right? So what we do is we take more of an engage, uh, engagement approach where it's more like, Hey, well, you know, tell me a little bit about your situation. Like, you know, what, what areas were you interested in? Or, Hey, did you have any questions that I could answer for you? You know, like, it's just more laid back. You try to get them to engage and respond. And then once they respond, 
you know, that's when you can kind of initiate a conversation with them, call them on the phone or keep texting them and then, and then schedule them beyond that. Right. It's just, it's just that thing, like people up front, they're most more, more often than not, they're scared. Like they, they're, afraid. And they don't, yeah, they don't know you. They don't know the procedure. And I tell people, there's two things that people have to have in order to make a purchase decision. They have to trust the product and they have to trust the provider. Yeah. People don't build trust these days in an instant. I mean, sometimes like that value proposition, if you deliver it correctly and you really believe it, and sometimes you can get trust like in an instant, but often, and especially if it were me or if it were my mother or mother-in-law, it would take a series. And that's why, um, you know, we, we kind of hit on this. And I think this is something that we assume, we assume that people follow up like softly with nurturing over time to these leads that come in. It's at least twice a month that somebody who's been in my system for more than six months comes in and makes a, a purchase decision because it's like, I'm scrolling through Facebook. I see, I see cool sculpting like, oh yeah, I've been thinking about that. Oh, well, you know, my tax return comes or I know I'm going to get this money from something. And so they go ahead and fill the lead form out, but they're not ready. So they stand you up on an, I, I don't know how many people have come in and purchased after they've no showed twice. <laughs> Oh, you know, like this, your next point where like that's been yeah. the insights that we've kind of uh, found um whereas like we're seeing a lot of people that have been in the system for the last three, three to six months that didn't buy when they obviously when they came in but they bought three to six months mm -hmm. after and that is huge because and i was telling this to to somebody else yesterday on my calls where it was like right now when we generate a lead like a lot of people just look at the first seven to 14 days and then if that lead doesn't, and then they drop them, right? They forget right. about it. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, we're just leaving so much money on the table because, again, what you're saying, like people, they want it, but they just might not want it right now, or they just can't get it right now. You know, they, they're they're right. ready to make the purchase, right? And you send, you keep sending those things. Like I, I am rarely in my spa anymore. And I walked in yesterday, and a woman was treating. And I walked in and I was like, hi, I'm Cassie. And I never even present myself as the owner um, because I, don't, I just don't like to. So I walked in, I was like, hey, I'm Cassie. I just kind of want to check out your treatment plan and see how you're doing and meet you. Um, I appreciate your business, you know, that kind of thing. And when I started to introduce myself, she was like, I know who you are. I watched all your videos before I came in here. I watched you for a year before I came in here. So people yeah. are, when they're interested, they're watching and they're choosing online they're choosing who to go to and honestly your competitors are doing video too like everybody's kind of onto this video thing and I, I tell people a lot like in any market I think I've worked across market lines so I've worked in different industries with my business systems and strategies and I find that if you're not innovating then you're by default imitating you're you're following the leader and if you're not the leader, you have no access to that big amount of money that's out there. The leaders in this industry are getting about 90% of the available revenue, whereas the, the followers are getting 10% and splitting that up. And of the industry, only 10% are leaders. So 10% are getting 90%, whereas 90% are getting 10%. And that might be why you're having you know, some trouble paying the bills is because you're following the guy who did it. We got to be asking our clients, getting to know and really just being open to what's next and having that idea and not being fearful to go for it. Um, I, I think fear of failure keeps a lot of people back from being in that 10%. And, and, I, and I think a big thing is just taking action. Like you right. might not know what's going to work, 
that's okay because you're experimenting. But the biggest thing here is just take action and try it. Try right. it for 14, 30 days. And systemize it. Make sure it's it's even like like if you tell somebody you're if you tell your clients you're going to give a referral fee, um, we're going to give you fifty dollars if you send in a friend, and then you do that for a couple months and then you forget about it, or you you know get all these leads. You pay for a bunch of leads from Facebook and you call them all once and send them an email. Like follow through is so important. Um, putting the systems in place to make sure that what you you design will be carried out and um and easily if possible so you know that's like follow through and then think of the next idea and just try it you know what do you have to lose so try the new ideas and then going back to this uh like insight that we had like implement the nurture sequence that you you know need because like like i was saying like seven 14 days and then you probably all people forget about the lead but no like right so it's like what happens after 30 days what happens after 60, what happens after 90, and so on and so forth, right? And then what systems are you implementing within that time span to continue to nurture your audience? Right. And, you know, this is my thing, this stuff, guys. I uh, Most practices that I talk to have a, um, like a, a monthly newsletter that goes out. So they send a monthly newsletter and it tells you the specials and it has a little blog maybe. Um, you can systemize this. It's some front end work. You can pay somebody to do it. That's what I, there's, <laughs> there's the guy I pay, but, <laughs> but yeah, you can just put together a system so that it doesn't take any more time to get your message out and you're treating everyone fairly. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of fair treatment. Like if I'm going to give something to you, it needs to be the same and your, your staff needs to know, like everybody needs to be able to recreate what you would do. So systemizing, um, you know, it, it just can be automated. And I don't think people know that. I think, you know, every month they put together this newsletter or whatever, um, and it's work. And then, so some months they're so busy that they forget or they can't get to it. And so it's not, um, and, and as a customer, if I receive something that's not, uh, rhythmic, that feels like it was done on the fly, um, that, you know, we're going to put something out in a couple days and it takes a couple weeks as, as a customer that feels unstable and it's not somewhere that I'm going to put $5,000. Yeah, no, hundred percent. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I don't know how long it's been. I think we might've gotten over the 40 minutes. Yeah, we did. I think we <laughs> had really, uh, probably one of our best episodes. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this one. And I think there was a lot of value in this one as well. So again, just to recap, um, we talked a lot about, you know, I talked about a lot of things and I think there's a lot of like key insights here, but just to sum it up the top six, I would say number one is realize how marketing and business works. You want to be innovating and you want to keep trying new things. Um, and then, and then you want to like, come to an understanding that what happened, what was working a year ago might not be working today. And so you need to innovate and try new things, right? Point number two what gets measured gets managed. So you want to make sure you're tracking all that data. Point number three is that, you know, if you're having current challenges, like for example, the, the, the high no-show rate, take, take a step back and think about what is the simplest, you know, answer to that problem, right? And a lot of the times that will be the, the best solution. Uh, number four, you know, keep defining who your customers are, right? If you don't know who they are, then define them. Simple as asking them a question, hey, you know, what do you do? Like, how old are you? You want to know what their profession is? Uh, you know, simple things like that. And if you, and, and then if you have done that in the past, don't just close yourself off to say that is your only ideal uh, 
you know, avatar. You want to have your top three and realize that they're constantly going to be changing. So you never want to stop asking those questions, right? Uh, point number four, uh, keep nurturing your audience. Uh, keep, you know, you want to understand that people that might come in as a lead um, will not be ready to buy till, you know, 30 to, to 90 days, maybe even beyond that. Um, so keep nurturing them and implement the system so that you can continue to do that. And and then last point, number six, is experiment with your follow-ups, right? Um, experiment with being more aggressive in the front end within the first day of generating a lead and then take a more uh, consultative conversation approach towards the back end using text messages and email and set those systems up, right? Set those systems up, set those automations up so that you, you're, you're, you and your staff are being a lot more efficient in your organization. Um, and then I want to throw in, I think you were on number six is next, but whatever number's next. Seven, seven, stay seven. Stay curious. Stay curious. Come into life like wondering what's going to happen instead of knowing. Uh, that's, how you, that's how you innovate is staying open. And then lastly, use this group, guys. Like you have collaborate. Like that thing that I bounced off Luis yesterday and I came to the most simple answer because my mind was just making it complicated. I, I can't do that unless I have a, a sounding board. And so this group is a sounding board for you. If you're not using it, it's free. Um, then, you know. There's a lot of great people in this group. Yeah, I, I know these business owners, a lot of them. Um, some of them I don't. But you've got some winners. You've got some of the higher echelon of cool sculpting and med spa practices in this group. So if you have something that's frustrating you, um, this, these are the people where you can throw it. And, then, and I get to that place, you know, as a business owner where you're like, oh, I just have nobody to talk to about this. Nobody's going to understand. So you have a group of people here who will understand and maybe have some things that they've tried and done and that have worked. Definitely. Use the group. Email us if you want to, you know, if you want to ask us a question or, or shoot us a message on Facebook or something like that. I mean, whatever. Or if you want to come on the show, um, email, email either of us and I'll send you the questionnaire. Um, if you have something that you want us to cover, also you can, you can just shoot it to us. Awesome. Yeah, and then if you want to subscribe so that you can get the, the every every week, we're going to be publishing an episode. If you want to subscribe so that you can get all the, the latest episodes as soon as they come out in your inbox, then go to metsballaccelerator.pro, P-R-O, and then uh, go ahead and click on the button on there and subscribe, um, and then we'll go ahead and make sure that we send you these episodes on a weekly basis. Uh, and again, if you want to be on that episode, um, you want to be featured as a guest when you fill out that form. There's a little checkbox that says, yes, I would like to be featured as a guest. And then we'll reach out to you and, and we'll, we'll get you on the show. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it. I mean, do you have any last? No, that's it. That's it. We'll see you all next right, week. Guys, well, thank you so much for tuning in and we will be back with you next week. All right. Have a good one.